Hey, Jessica and Ashley. Hi, Hi Sarah. Sarah. So, can you guys tell me a word that starts with the letter F but ends with U-C-K? Uh, are you really <laughs> trying to get us to sing? I can't even say it. <laughs> um, Frenchicucking. <laughs> Fr- I'm making up words now. Well, let's all climb into this friendship truck because today we're going to talk about friendship <laughs> on... Three sheltered girls. And I'm upset. (laughs) (laughs) When they want to make a baby, one cow climbs on top of the other cow, (laughs) and they join. What if your kid decided that she just wanted to be a cat? Sarah, can you name a Mariah Carey song? I will always love you. And I said... Nope, that's a Whitney Houston song. Hey, what about just the occult junk in my room? Should I destroy it? Oh, absolutely. And scene. And then I was like, well, if it was too sexy for church, it's perfect for a bar. So I wanted to kick this episode off uh, just kind of saying, first of all, we've this is probably the most drunken we've ever been on a podcast. I mean, Jess over here looks like she's been on the sun for 12 hours. I do. And uh, Ashley... I'm an angel. Yep. So... (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... I'm sorry or... You're welcome, depending on how you feel. Yeah, however you take this at the end of the episode, uh, I'm sorry and also you're welcome and also who cares? All right. So... Oh my God. I'm about to queue up some VeggieTales for you guys. Let's do it. All right. Are you ready for this? I want to... I love it. If you're uh, not familiar with Veggie Tales, it's basically singing vegetables. Hit it, boys. Have you ever seen a boy with funny clothes? A girl with braces on her teeth? Oh, freckles on her nose? That's, that's me. Some, Some kids call them weird. Or does Aunt Ruth have a beard? Tell her sleeping sizes. This is just like, I, I'm just imagining myself sitting in front of my TV as a kid right now and singing along with the bouncing tomato. <laughs> la, 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 I can be your friend. La, <laughs> Why are you la, punching la. me then? Because I love you. Any <laughs> weather, we could be friends and play together. So I just want to, <laughs> it is cute reading the lyrics. I'm just like, oh, that's a really good for kids to see where he's like all shapes and sizes. And it's not fun to call them names. It's not fun to call them names. And I kind of want to bring this. Uh, and we're all pretty different, yeah. but we're similar in size. <laughs> we so all got feelings that are very much the same. And so instead of weirdo, I think friend's a better name. Oh, it's so adorable. Yeah, you're such a weirdo. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I own that. I'm just I own that. No, that's good. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to to bring it up to kind of talk about like uh, what are y'all's experience with your parents' involvement when you made friends as a kid? Mm. I don't remember my my parents being specific for friends. Um, they, my parents are also really good at friendships themselves in their adult lives, and so I think that if they connected with a family then they kind of felt comfortable of me being friends with them. Like if there was a couple that they had a lot in common, well, they kind of figured that we would have a lot in common. So they would kind of, you know, make play dates for us mm-hmm. um, because they figured similar personalities and in, in parents, similar personalities and kids. But I don't remember being told 
at least not in early childhood. Now, as I got into middle school and high school, there were some people that my mom and dad were just like, mostly my mom, they were just like, yeah, you might want to stay away a little bit because it seems like they're choosing different ways of living than you are and we are. So just be careful around them. My mom would say that often. Just be careful around them. Mm -hmm. Just be careful around this. That was my mom's like kind of signature saying if I would hang out with people or like tell her I was hanging out with somebody that she didn't quite approve of. Just be careful. Mm -hmm. Did you get that too, Jess? Um, yeah. I mean, I I was trying to think if there was ever a point when my parents came to me and said, no, you can't hang out with that person anymore. I don't think they ever did, but they would sort of say, so sort of like you were saying your mother did with what you would wear, like the kind of looks that were like... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like you're not saying it because you don't want to be that person, but you're at least letting it known. I disapprove. Yeah. <laughs> now I like that breath of disapproving. Yeah. And yeah. I have to say that if when I was young before like ninth or 10th grade, if I wanted to hang out with somebody who was not from church or from my Christian school, then... Some point, at some points, I wouldn't even ask because I kind of figured my parents were going to say no mm. or they were going to have this talk with me like, well, now, you know, just so you know, if you're going to hang out with Sally, Sally's not a Christian and her parents are going to let her do things that you're not allowed to do. Wow. And uh, we want you to, you know, be a good Christian and stand up for your faith. And talk to Sally about Jesus. See if you can get her to come to church. And I just didn't want to be like a missionary to the kids in my neighborhood mm-hmm. at that age. So I just kind of avoided hanging out with people who weren't from church. Huh. I don't remember my parents doing that. Because like I said, I had, you know, different friend groups and like, you know, people that I played softball with or mm-hmm. things like that. My mom worked um, at the airport uh for years and she had a wonderful group of ladies that she was friends with and I would hang out with their kids as well and a lot of them didn't go to church but my mom loved the positive uh environment that they allowed and so like I would hang out with them my mom wouldn't say anything like that if she was bringing me to these people's homes it's because she trusted them my mom would be like yeah they don't go to church but you know we we love them and we support them and they're a good family so we would spend time with them and it wouldn't be any different I think this is a good opportunity to kind of uh, organically move the conversation to uh, what I like to call evangelical friendship. Yeah. And Jess kind of touched on that a little bit where she felt that kind of pressure from her parents. And it sounds like you just, your parents didn't really get that kind of pressure for you, Ashley. They just told you to like, be careful. Um, I know for me, my parents kind of actively encouraged it. Um, at least for me personally, not so much my sister or my brother, I think, but, um, we did such cool things. Like my mom was like the youth pastor, you know, like I mentioned before. So we would go on like ski trips, mission trips, uh, mystery trips where we don't know what we're going to do. And, you know, my friends wanted to go because those were cool places we went to. And, um, and not all of them were Christian. I didn't know. Actually, to be honest with you, my parents are like way more in tune with people's religion than I was. If I'm going to be real honest, I just assumed everybody was a Christian <laughs> unless they were doing shooting up drugs <laughs> <laughs> or having sex. Those, were, but I didn't know about sex, so actually, yeah, the I drugs, think we discussed that. The drugs was the only thing, or if they cursed, I was like, they're probably not a Christian. Like those <laughs> guys, I was. 
Well, I think for me, my, my parents would encourage me to kind of stand my ground. Um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, like let people know, Hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in God and I'm, I go to church, but they, they would say that like, I feel like they would be like, if an opportunity arises to talk about church and the Lord and invite them, that's great. But that's not, you know, like that's not the only reason we're here. We're here to spend time with people and to love them. And my parents are very much the, um, let, let God flow through you organically and all that you do and not have to just brag about it, so to speak. Uh, but they wouldn't like, you know, be super evangelical about it. Did you ever feel a responsibility to convert a friend? <clears throat> yes, but not entirely from my friend or from my parents. That would be right from, before you. I mean, but yeah, still, or as as your duty as a Christian. Yeah, I would. Um, like specifically at school. So there were some kids that went to my school. I went to a private school, and there were some kids that went there that honestly didn't go to church outside of the school. They just went to this private school because it's where their parents sent them. So I do feel like at school there was this, um, like, kind of over like overarching sense of, well, they should love Jesus, especially if they're here. So you would kind of feel that pressure of like wanting to encourage them and and get them to, you know, be saved and, you know, learn more about, you know, the word and the Lord and everything like that. But my parents never pressured me. They just always were like, you know, uh, you know, stay in church. And if people ask, then invite them. And if they don't, then, you know, let the, let them live. They'll they'll find their way, however they want, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they never really pressured me to <laughs> to evangelize my friends. Um, but the schools, the school that I went to was probably the most uh, encouraging of wanting to evangelize. Um, so I would do that with activities for people there. But and like my church would too. But also that was also that also felt a lot more organic. Like we would put on crazy, like elaborate events for youth and have like at one point we had 800 kids at our youth like in a youth event and like some kids you know like you know went down and got saved and some didn't but our pastor was like hey if there's one then that's that's great you know and then the event would go on and people would have fun so there wasn't like this innate like crazy amount of like I have to tell everybody about this I just it was very much like let it flow through you I grew up in even in an evangelical church. So for me, yes, there was a definite pressure. And I actually wanted to say, like, my pressure came from my parents, but it mostly came from my church. Mm-hmm. Because during one summer, I think I was maybe 13 or 14, they actually did a drive. And by a drive, I mean, like, they told us specifically this summer, we're going to see how many people we can save. So go out into your communities, make friends, bring them to church. And then they did these, um, it was almost like a, it was a retreat, but we didn't go anywhere where we brought our friends in. We sang praise music. We talked about like our relationships with God each night. And then they like had people fill out questionnaires and actually tracked and announced the numbers of how many people we saved. Mm. Um, so I was it like a contest, like it kind of was, like people? it became competitive. Like Yikes. how many friends can you bring in? That's not um, and and I remember 
I still feel very, very uncomfortable when I, feel I see very, those things happen. I feel very uncomfortable with it. It's like it. a quota. It, it felt is. like a quota. It felt like we weren't really thinking about the needs of these people. Yeah. We were just trying to get them to say the prayer. And we had the prayer like written out on a little note card for mm-hmm. us to lead our friends through it. We were kind of trained in how do you share your personal testimony and talk to your friends about God. And I remember uh, towards the end of the retreat, one of the young women that I hadn't brought, but I knew her somehow, I think from school, um, crying in a corner and like a youth pastor and her friend and one other person going over there and basically convincing her that the reason she was so upset was because she didn't have a personal relationship with God and that she needed it. And I remember her praying with them and feeling that the reason why she had been crying was definitely deeper than how they were pitching it to her. That's so uncomfortable um, just to hear because it, it, and that's one of the things that uh, I think can be so dangerous um, with the church uh, when we kind of reduce people to a number or a salvation Mm -hmm. as though, as though the salvation doesn't come from building a relationship with a person or whatever, like it's not genuine, then what's the point in even doing it unless you believe in one saved, always saved, different philosophical. Well, and then the yeah. lack of follow-up of like, and I think the, the church I go to now um, with my husband is, I think is is really good about doing follow-ups and stuff and like keeping people engaged at like reaching out to them being like, like, hey, like even for us, whenever we weren't going as often, they would be like, hey, you guys, like, like some of the people that are more, more our age, be like, hey, you guys just want to get dinner. We can just catch up. Yeah. And like, it wasn't even, it didn't even feel like it was, you know, evangelical. It was just like a personal friendship. And so I feel like that's what the church, and at least for us growing up, it sounds like didn't do a really good job of. It's like you get the number, yay. But what happens to the person after that? Mm-hmm. You don't know because you're not following up. You're just wanting that initial first step number mm-hmm. and then just, hoping they stay or making sure that, you know, they, they stay there, but not actually connecting with them. Like, do you even know their names? Mm-hmm. Do you even know what they do for a living? I feel like that's something that really irked me growing up about the savior quota. Well, and I, I feel like just to, just to kind of defend, I feel like I came out very critical of that church because I actually really liked the youth pastors there. Mm-hmm. They were very supportive to me and they made an effort to keep in contact with That's those good. people that they brought to the church during the drive. I just remember that the feeling of that evangelical movement was just kind of so competitive in terms of how many friends you bring to Christ and getting them to pray the prayer mm-hmm. that yeah. that part of it made me, you know, really suspicious of what we were doing. I think yeah. that's fair. Um, I think, and I, I can actually relate to that a lot because um, there were some churches that I went to older that that's kind of was the, the point. Um, what's kind of funny is I actually, as a, I remember this very vividly at a very, very young age being super evangelical. Like I actually remember probably like in kindergarten, maybe first grade oh, wow. telling little kids about, and it's, it's one of those memories like stand out in my mind where this little kid was sick of me telling him about Jesus and <laughs> straight up shouted me from across the classroom. I don't want to hear about your Jesus. Oh my God. And I had uh, that and there's like a bunch of memories in it of me because all I talked about was, was Jesus and church. Cause that's, you know, that was kind of indoctrinated in me as a very young age. Um, it got to a point as I got older, cause I was isolating myself in that way that I realized that I, um, 
would rather just have friends. And I stopped slowly. I slowly started phasing out my my need to because I, I have that too. Yeah, like eventually the zeal for it, and need, then I became like more of an adult, and it gave me anxiety to talk to people because I'm like, this is how you lose friends is talking to them about Jesus. I, I didn't have I didn't have like that that evangelical thing, but I did have um I I would have some uh some judgments. And I, I would kind of like subtly in my head judge people. And at one point I kind of got to the point where I was like, um, I really shouldn't be judging people for their outside of, you know, their outside actions. I should just love them. And so that kind of t- turned for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me your first experience, if you have one, of your first like f- close friend outside of a church, like that you knew was not a Christian. How how was that for you guys? My first friend outside of church, her name was Laura, and she lived down the street from me. She actually, we, we kind of met uh, through my dad kind of pulling me out to introduce us because she had a flat tire on her bike, and she had fallen off of her bike in front of her house. And so he went and got the bicycle pump and came out and kind of talked to her and pumped up her bike and learned that she lived down the street and that we were of similar age. And then he called into the house and had me come out and introduced me to her. Um, and we were both kind of shy, but my dad was just like so nice and cracking jokes between the two of us that we hit it off pretty well. And we ended up hanging out most of that summer she was not a Christian, and from the very beginning, when my dad talked to me about my relationship with her, he, like, explained to me that I was supposed to be, you know, the light in a dark place for this young woman. Mm-hmm. She was going through some difficult times. Like, it was pretty obvious that she was a latchkey kid, um, and so my parents invited her to have dinner with us now and then, um, and we have, I mean, we lived close to each other, so we were good friends for a long time. I think I started out with the sense that I needed to get her to come to church with me. And I think she did come to church with me a couple times. But as we became closer friends, she opened up with me about like, um, just how boring church was to her. You know, like she was just kind of flat out about it. And, you know, she she held her ground with me that she thought she was a pretty moral person and didn't need church. And I kind of grew to respect her for that. Mm. I think for me, I'm, I can think of a couple examples. Um, there was one in middle school. There was a girl who was a grade above me. Um, I'll, I'll just call her, uh, I don't know, I'll call her Susie. <laughs> but I think um, she she kind of was, she went to my school and she was a grade above me, but she never really cared for the church aspect. She just went to school. She liked having friends there, but she never really like gave church a shot much at all. I think she had some ideas, but she was pretty staunch on not having any kind of religion from even middle school standpoint. But I remember still enjoying her company. She didn't really have any like bad habits, so to speak. She lived right down the street. It was her and her mom. And I remember she, she had a really, really cool house where she had a whole room full of uh, reptiles and amphibians and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. And she was obsessed with cats. So she had, like, she never had any really negative habits, like, you know, like kind of the stereotype non-Christian habits. She just didn't care for religion. And I remember thinking that I really, I really respected the fact that she still went to a Christian school 
she kind of abided by the classes and things like that, but she still stood her own ground on her own moral, like personal philosophy. And so I really enjoyed spending time with her um, and kind of getting some insight. She was also kind of shy and not super outgoing, but, you know, I felt like I, I had a lot to gain from her and just from her perspective. Um, she still is the same way. She still doesn't really have a connection to any religion, but her personality hasn't changed. She never really dove deep into anything negative. She just had this inner moral philosophy of just church isn't for me. Religion isn't for me. I'm mm-hmm. content with how I live my life. But if you do that, that's fine. And I thought that was really cool of her. And, you know, I, I had I had good times hanging out with her. So, yeah. yeah. I think um, my first one would probably be Amanda. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, probably. Um, and it was kind of like what Jess said with hers, where it was like, uh, Amanda, if you're out there listening, just know that I love you. We I love real, you. I was real young. Please forgive me for what I'm about we to say. We love you. But she was, because <laughs> Amanda and I are still best friends. She actually just stayed the night with me last night. But um, so but whenever uh, I, I learned that Amanda wasn't a Christian, it was kind of like a project friendship. Mm. Um, and... And even, and she, she was in part, she was involved in our youth group too. She was involved in our church. I think she actually gave her life to Christ at one point, but like she struggled with depression and some other um, mental health issues back then. And I actually uh, did a really terrible thing. And I attributed that to uh, her just not having a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And um, I just assumed the second you have a relationship with Jesus, then it's going to like resolve all of your mental health issues. All of it goes away. And I know she's heard that. She's shared that with me before that, um, that that's kind of the thing. But uh, that was for a long time. That was what it was like. If you have mental health issues, it's because you didn't have a strong enough relationship with Jesus. It wasn't. And like, there was like that, that whole paradigm that you, if you don't have a strong, if you're not a Christian, you're broke, you're a broken person. Mm-hmm. And we are broken until we have Jesus in our lives and then we are whole. And the person that broke that belief off of me is going to be Bahran. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of figured that. Yeah, because she if you ever meet Bahran, she is like um a beacon of just joy and life. And let me tell you, my grandmother was concerned. That I was rooming. Well, explain explain why. Because with a you, lesbian atheist. You no, she's not Muslim. Sorry, she's a. a le- oh, I said lesbian. She was a lesbian atheist from Iran, and my grandmother was convinced she was Muslim. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, what was that transition like for you? What do you think was the point, or what was it about rooming with her that? kind of change that way of thinking for you so i did, it wasn't a conscious decision at first um it was i had a similar experience meeting bahran as i did whenever i met you jess where she, this girl comes in and and actually i have to say the only reason i didn't have this thought with you that you were too pretty to be my friends because we were both in a swimming pool okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i had met you if i had met you whenever you're like fully dressed up and like the cute hair and makeup and i did later and i was like can't believe she went to be yeah, friends that's she's it. so pretty uh-huh. i'm not making this up though this is a true Stop. story no i i couldn't have been a mermaid could i <laughs> you are a beautiful land mermaid yeah anyways so i had this i remember this with bahran she came in and i immediately thought like this girl's too cool and too pretty to want to be my friend and then we lived together and um and i was like just content just being roommates or whatever but like we we were goofy she she didn't mind i made stupid videos because i like to make goofy youtube videos she laughed at my dumb jokes and it wasn't until a guy from Kai Alpha took me on a date. I 
I'm not going to mention his name, but I know who you're talking you know about. who I'm talking about. He sits me down in a um, Jason's deli and he says, do you know what kind of people scare me? And I said, what kind of people? And he goes, atheists, because they have no moral compass. And that he didn't know that Bahran was an atheist. And that grinded my gears because she was like at that time in my life, she was the best friend I had I had had, you know, like she also, why would you just bring that up on a date? He didn't, he didn't know my best, like, well, no, but why would you just bring that up? I know. Like, that's just like, even if he didn't, if he like did or didn't know, what was the point of bringing that up? I don't think he was anticipating me to disagree with him. I think it was the point. I don't know. That's not common date talk. Say something about this atheist thing. Cause I heard it too. I don't know. I don't remember where I heard it from. If it was my parents or someone else or maybe, you know, a sibling or something. But I also had a really good friend in college who was an atheist. And for the longest time, I was like questioning him, trying to just prove to myself that he was a bad person Mm -hmm. at the course. Somehow. (laughs) Because he didn't believe in any God. Mm -hmm. And this dude, like proved me flat out wrong like he had a stronger sense of what he believed morally and why than I did yeah I think I had some of those experiences too where I was like I thought atheists were (laughs) I think for a brief moment in my time I thought atheists were like an occult type (laughs) following um that (laughs) kind of like the like uh like the satanic um like what, what is it? But I think I think I thought that for a brief moment, and I'm glad I don't. I, I, I had it, the it same thoughts, but I think I thought that they all just straight up believed in Satan only, or like they just all like, yeah, like like it was just like this whole thing. Which of, is like, so atheists ironic. Are so and yeah, and I was I it, I don't remember when I figured out that it was wrong. I well, I had a book uh, in early high school that was basically about like all the different religions. And it was like a brief synopsis of different faiths and beliefs. And I was curious and like, it would give a list. It would give a summarization. It would give also a list of celebrities of the different religions. And then, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I can see it. All the pages are like different colors and everything. But I remember reading specifically about atheists because I had that preconceived notion. Whenever I read it, I was like, so they just, okay, that's not, a big that's not satan that's not a big deal and i i was like i guess i just had it all and i i was like not i guess i was like i had it all wrong it's not really what it is so and then i also spent time with you in bahran whenever you and i became friends i'd stay at your apartment Mm -hmm. it was the same kind of thing it was like i don't i don't i don't get what's so bad about yeah i had the same kind of reaction with bahran as i had going to a christian concert and feeling or not a non-christian concert and feeling that religious experience i had the same kind of reaction uh just like a couple different things where like i was anticipating evil to seep in yeah from her or from somewhere yeah and it just didn't happen and in fact uh that relationship with her was very just and is one of is just such an enriching wholesome relationship uh i can't believe i i cannot believe that um I almost missed out on it because of, uh, you know, this, this, this need or this training to, to guard yourself against non-Christians. I do think that's partially why you guys have such a good relationship because you grew to respect her as your roommate and as a friend and as somebody who doesn't have the same beliefs in you. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge 
I don't want to say culture shock. That seems a bit extreme, but similarly, I guess it felt like it. Yeah, <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> but in a, but in a positive way because you still felt enriched by someone who didn't have the same beliefs as you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I feel like that's why I think that that worked out in your favor so well because you could easily have a good friendship with someone that just doesn't philosophically believe the same as you. And one thing I really appreciated with my about my relationship with Matt, that was the name of the young man in college who was an atheist. And, and he, like, in arguing with him about what I believed and learning what he believed, I ended up questioning, like, not even just questioning, but just kind of narrowing and getting much more specific mm-hmm. with what I felt was right or wrong in particular circumstances, which I would not have done because at church there's, like, this... Sometimes, I don't know if you felt this way, I I felt like I shouldn't ask questions about what I should believe or do in this particular circumstance because I should already know it if I were a good Christian because God would just tell me. Mm -hmm. I can agree with that. Yeah, I can can empathize that a lot. Well, in in an ironic twist, I got more in trouble with friends that were from church or school than I did with friends outside that, that... had no religious uh same i had a lot so true yeah and i could i could tell stories i don't know where you're wanting to lead with this sarah but i mean i could tell stories of of instances where people that i was friends with in my church and in my school got me in way more trouble than those that had no affiliation to to the church and I always found that really funny growing into my my adult life. It's like, yeah, they were the ones that caused me the most problems <laughs> as far as getting grounded and, and getting in trouble. And yeah, so I don't know if that was anywhere you wanted to go. No, no, that, that no, that's, really I think that's, that's really funny. Um, I actually, and this is the reason why I wanted to even bring that up to begin with was because I, um, I did some, I did a little bit of research. I, I googled. This is the extent of my research, and I misspelled Christians apparently because it bolded it for me. Google being pretentious, trying to correct you. God, <laughs> so I, rude. Um, can I be friends with non-Christians? Let's let's just take a quick gander at some of these results here. Um, here's one of the top results. It is wise to be cautious about forming very very close friendships, especially with non-Christians. Do not be unequally yoked. Set Corinthians six fourteen. There's another one that I thought was be that was really funny, where um, hanging out with corrupt people can lead you to corruption. I think I just explained how that's not entirely true. <laughs> I think I just expressed like, no, I was corrupted by the church people. <laughs> this is like, and this particular thing cracks me up a little bit, and I wish. I don't want to start playing on the audio, but it's just like, like the next thing is like, but it goes like on the other hand though, like a lot of the arguments I read for these is like one hand, don't be unequally roped. You hate yoked, yoked, yoked. Yeah. That thing inside eggs. Yeah. The thing is actually, that's not even what that is. The yolk is, isn't the yolk like it's, it's spelled different. Y O K E. And that's referring to the yolk that you would put around two oxen so Mm -hmm. that you want two equally matched oxen to pull the same. Yeah. So actually, this is a silly side story, but I want to tell it real quick. Like when we're talking about yolk and yolk, 
My ex-boyfriend went to a private Christian school and the professor was talking about that verse, do not be unequally yoked. And he said, now the yolk is the life-giving center of the egg. And somebody rose their hand and they said, uh, it's different. It's spelled different. It's Y-O-K-E, not Y-O-L-K. And he pulls out the dictionary in the Bible, looks at it side by side, no. and he goes, well, they look the same. <laughs> uh, you can't. You can't. Oh, my God. Just trying to double down. <laughs> that's... That's called the backfire effect. And that's really frustrating. I think it's very funny. But the reason why, uh, one of the things that I thought was funny is like, it says, um, it it also, these verses come up and also say. um, I wish I was in that class. I know. Isn't that so silly? Oh, I wish I was in that class. But um, the verses say also like, uh, you know, hang out with people can lead to corruption. But also Jesus ate with prostitutes and tax center and taxers, tax collectors. (laughs) <laughs> I've, I've discussed this with a lot of different people. It, it's. I just don't know how Baham would feel knowing that I loop her in with prostitutes. Wait, is it but prostitutes and like, tax collectors? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> a job. There's our sinners. Yes. Okay. Well, at the, in that in that point, a lot of them were like, "You can't be a Jesus tax collector." Actually. Yeah, you can't. No. Uh, I think at that point that they were just like basically thieves, but trying to do it in a legal standpoint. And so it was really negative. But the thing is, is like, I always thought it was so silly. It's like not to be unequally yoked, but it's like, well, what do you have to say about Jesus? Like he technically was like, you know, he went to Zacchaeus's house and, you know, he was a tax collector and nobody liked him. And I think he dined with. Sinners. Well, the thing is, I have issues with both so of those. Speak. I have birth, I have issues with both of those verses. To be honest, um, like not only like the corruption thing, but also with you know, with Jesus hung out with prostitutes and tax yeah. collectors, like the worst people. And the reason why I have issues with that is because we are grouping an atheist with the worst people. I think that's why I thought that they were all like Satan worshippers. Yeah, I know. But that's that's what's so frustrating for me because I'm like and Baharan and I've actually been friends with Baharan for like ten years and mm-hmm. I actually got to see firsthand several people coming in and out of her life and I've read the letters that they send to her trying to tell her, you know, she needs to repent, come to Jesus. There's been at least two or three times of people that try to be friends and when she said, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna change my religion for you, they disappear. That's and we've had discussions with Bahran about religion because she's actually asked us what you know what is our belief like genuinely wanting some insight into our lives and into what we believe and she has no judgment whatsoever not at all but then she's getting judged and that makes me upset. I, I found it interesting that she asks and wants to know about us but people don't want to know her perspective they just assume she's wrong and it just it just bothers me that people would look at her and decide that she's broken because she's not a christian and that's the thing i have the most issue with my friends like with that like all of my friends that what no matter what they believe that someone would like take a belief like religion and determine based off of that if they're a broken soul or not because i've been friends that are christians who were just like the worst the worst friends to me, Have worst you people to me. That, Jess? <laughs> I'm shaking my head. She's vigorously shaking her head. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, like I mean, so so you also were under the impression that if someone didn't believe in God, that they were just completely broken. Um. Well, yes, but but probably not for as long as the two of you. Mm. Like I, I think I started to question that belief. 
probably around 13 or 14 years old. I was very self-conscious about the fact that I was questioning my beliefs and I didn't want to share that with anyone. Mm -hmm. And it felt like I was living a secret life in a lot of ways. Um, I eventually did decide that I had to be honest with myself about the issues I was having. But that, you know, that took a while. But on the positive side of things, I think I was around 13 or 14 when I started to realize that the attitude that I was bringing to my friends, like assuming that I they had to be saved. Yeah. And I think it was actually after that church retreat I mentioned earlier that I, I just started to question the value of that mentality and look for friends to prove me wrong. Like how you guys are looking at me. I know I'm being in this podcast. <laughs> well, it is interesting that you, you said that you, you had kind of going back to you saying that you had a lot more um, harsh, like, friendships in the church versus... I really have. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can actually remember, like, one of the friends, it happened twice, actually slapped me across the face. What? Like, once, once in a, um, oh, you know, Momo... Uh, did it twice <laughs> and then screamed, screamed at me in youth group one, or in, in like a Sunday school. And then her mom said like, well, you just weren't listening to her. Mm. What? Is what her mom told me. And well, she, let me see where she got it from. Yeah. It was just a very entitled and just caustic friendship. Um, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I had a hard time connecting with people within the church. Um, at least like, don't get me wrong. Like I still have like two or th- I have a few friends that are, are still very, um, you know, great friends, but, um, I don't think I would attribute religion to that friendship if that makes sense. Or do I, re- nor do I think it's a contributing factor. I think the ones that were the most devout were the ones that were the most, I was the most hands off with because kind of what you said, I didn't feel like I felt like I could, I, I didn't feel there was a safe space for me to struggle. Yeah. And a huge point I think in friendship is feeling safe to be vulnerable with somebody and oh, that yeah. they're going to accept you no matter what. I think um, Christians have a hard time giving that safe space mm-hmm, without, you know, giving uh, quotes of scripture or saying, mm-hmm. did you pray about it yet? Mm-hmm. I can agree with that, but I did have some friends that I could be vulnerable with in the church. Um, I do remember being able to be, vulnerable with my my youth pastor and his like his wife is amazing like she she would always connect really really well with students and she kind of had this open door kind of policy where you could come to her for a lot of things and there wouldn't be any judgments so mm-hmm. i really i think that's why i have such a high respect for my former youth pastor and his and his family because he wouldn't he wouldn't project um a sense of perfection and his he he and his wife had a very open door policy where you could come to them for anything and not feel, he, you know he's one that I I uh, had said a while back he they would go to to counseling together, and was just very open like yeah we need counseling like we're not perfect and we don't project to be, and so they would also have that with the youth is like you know we would do group session like like not sessions we would do like group hangouts at their house. And sometimes if people wanted to, you know, have some one-on-one about things going on in their lives, they wouldn't have any judgment and stuff. And so I really appreciated that from from them. And I think that displayed in the youth as well, where a lot of us were really open with each other, where nobody projected to be perfect or like holier than thou. There was a, a lot of openness in that youth group. And I think because he allowed it, 
for him, like him and his wife allowed it that everybody else felt that, well, if I'm not okay, it's not because I'm not loving Jesus enough. It's because, you know, life is tough. I'm in high school, you know, it's not easy. And so I think he kind of saw that and made a shift to change, so to speak. And I really respected them for that. All right. Uh, that's all I have for today. You guys, any final thoughts? Um, you know, I, 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 I appreciate that we've all had kind of the same eye opener, about friendships, also the irony of, you know, having more trouble in than out of the church with friendships. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's great validation that, you know, that I wasn't the only one that, that had to have, I had to go through this um, personal, uh, like, soul-searching thing of how I really viewed other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I did. Uh I wish it maybe would have happened sooner like it did for you, Jess, but I, I appreciate that there's a table here full of people that had the same kind of enlightening Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's good to know that I wasn't the only one that had to go through that. I want to say that if anyone's listening and you're still in this point in your life where you're kind of questioning, um, whether, how do I put this? If you're at this point in your life where you're still kind of questioning whether um, what what you should do and how you should respond to friends when there's the fear in the back of your mind that you're not being a good Christian and that they're and that you're not being a true friend because this person you know could be going to hell if you don't say anything. You don't you don't need to tell that person your fear. I think you become a better friend by just showing that by just showing up, being a good friend, modeling uh, the positive lessons that your church and your family has taught you about being there for other people. Um, and that in itself, that in itself, I think, is all the witnessing and, and the testimony that you need to do. Um, I think that you can do a lot more harm than good by telling another person that their soul is compromised and, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there's something deeply wrong with them that they need to address and that they could go to hell if they don't, because, you know, think, imagine yourself in that situation. If someone were to come to you and say that to you, it's hurtful. What, what good does that, what good would that do for you? Yeah. It just makes me think of all the billboards when I'm driving back home to Houston that I see of all, and all like the small towns of mm-hmm. like, you know, where are you going? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, there's, you know, <laughs> you, you know, like a, you know, not knowing God is a ticket mm-hmm. to hell, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. So I'm just like, and, and that's, that's the harsh mentality that I think you're addressing. I'm just like, yeah, I hate as, seeing it on those billboards. As someone who's been in the church and then consciously and vocally left the church and then had people from the church come to me and try to save my soul and rescue me from hell, um, the, the conversations I have had with people where I came the closest to be, you know, being persuaded to reassess were not those conversations where people were kind of trying to put the fear of God into me, mm-hmm. but the conversations where people were really eagerly interested to know about the reasons why I had left the church or my thoughts mm-hmm. about the church themselves and people who um, listened and maybe even agreed in some points to say, like, you know, you have real concerns here. I see that, but there are 
you know, that, that this, this is also a generalization that you're making about faith here. There are other ways to look at this. There's another path of reasoning that maybe you're not thinking about. Um, so just, you know, if, if you're with a friend who, um, is not a Christian and that's something that's very important to you to talk about, know that you are, you know, you are addressing that through your friendship and showing up and being there and just leaving the door open for that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I think as we raised during this conversation, it's important for that not to be the end goal of a relationship. In fact, if anything, I, um, I view religion or belief systems, perhaps like the kind of conversation that you allow someone else to approach you on. Um, it's, it's so, it's such a personal thing and it's so varied what it looks like from person to person. It's really, it's really dangerous. I think to make assessments on where a person is just in general, irrelevant of what they believe or what they do or the way they act or how the way they dress. I mean, it's, it's such a dangerous road to go down. Um, and it also doesn't do any favors that if you want to have that conversation with them, if you already have gone into it, not respecting them and, and how, you know, like what, what they like, who they are, things like that. You're already not giving yourself any favors to convince yeah. them otherwise. I mean, if the point of your friendships is to look at people and think how, um, if you're, if you're, if, the, if you, your view on friendships is trying to figure out how you can fix other people, you are missing out on just the most beautiful experiences. Mm-hmm. I think this life has to offer. Um, I think friendships can offer so much more than just, you know, a, a salvation token, um, and looking to people to see how they can enrich your life, what you can learn from other people, how they can make you better is, like an equal part to the equation for anything you could possibly bring to the table by yourself. So I agree with that because there were a lot of friendships that I had in the church that were not beneficial. They like, you know, some friendships that I had that did not, they were friendships for them, not for the both of us. It was not an equally, um, honestly yeah it was not there was not an equal amount of it of respect there was not an equal amount of um security i i I, there were some people where i felt like i they kept me as a friend to validate them not because they wanted to actually be my friend and then i would have people outside of the church that were respectful to me were would you know appreciate me and would validate me and I'd validate them back. And we would have this mutual respect and love for one another. Um, and that I wasn't getting from a, a few friendships that I had in, in the church. Mm-hmm. And now I have friendships that I'm choosing because they do make me happy. Mm-hmm. Like with you guys. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't, I didn't know if that was a sidebar. I just wanted to kind of just again, the irony of friendships in and out of the church. I had some pretty rough ones in. Yeah. So yeah. I think we relate to that. Yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Say it again. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining. Um, shoot us an email at three shelter girls at gmail.com. That's all spelled out. Three sheltered girls at gmail.com. Look forward to hearing from you and stay tuned next week. And don't forget to rate us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you found us today. Thanks. Bye-bye. Goodbye.